For everybody else, uh, or as parents will come back and be making way, way to their seats and everything, go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 6. We're going to be verses 43 through 45 this morning. Verses 43 through 45 this morning. Um, but before we begin, so I'm, I realized this morning, so I've known this for a while, um, I'm very much a creature of routine, like I'm just a creature of habit. And so I have a Sunday morning habit that I just always, all my Sunday mornings look the same. Um, or, you know, I try to have them look, so I get up at the same time, and then I go for a run, and then I come back and I pray, and then I kind of, like, think about Sunday morning, you know, look over the sermon. But we lost power last night, and so, like, and water last night, uh, and so, because wa- our water goes with our power. Um, not in, like, an electrical current, like, we have to be careful way, more in just the, it runs the wells. Um, so, I'm just, like, out of my routine this morning, and very much, so I didn't have coffee this morning. There's a whole, there's a whole thing that, yeah, no, exactly. So, it's a... Uh, um, it's, it's a whole thing this morning. Or a shower, which, yeah, but I didn't go for a run because I couldn't take a proper shower. Like, there's just a lot of things. So I woke up this morning at my normal time, and I just had, like, this, I don't know what I'm supposed to do now. Like, there was just, like, this, I, so I stared blankly for about 10 minutes and then uh, moved on with my morning. So anyway, that's my uh, mental state this morning. Um, but I am excited to be able to study God's Word together, and God will give each of us grace to, to hear, um, and um, trust me, He will give me graces. As, as, as I help us dive into God's word this morning. Uh, most of you are probably familiar with, uh, with the character Sherlock Holmes, right? So probably, you know, they've read the books or there's some movies out or, you know, at least, you know, familiar with the character. But if you're not familiar with, with, with Sherlock Holmes, Holmes is a fictional, famous detective who can solve sort of the, the hardest cases that no one else can solve, right? So he can solve the things that no one else can solve. And he gets what appears to be the trickiest of cases and the ones that, you know, nobody else can handle. And he just not only solves them, he solves them with just relative ease, right? So all this stuff comes and he, he gets them very easily. And his sidekick, he has a sidekick, Watson, that, you know, can sometimes kind of help him out. He seems to be more bumbling than an actual help, but he can never solve the case. It's always up to Sherlock Holmes to be able to, to solve the case. But as, as the case is wrapping up, and as, as he'll kind of walk through how he knows, he, you know, he kind of walks through because you, you go along with him trying to solve it with him. So he shows how he solves it and kind of lays out you know, like how, how, he solved the ca- how he solves the case. He has this phrase that he would use, and probably most of you know the phrase, right? It's, it's elementary, my dear Watson, elementary, right? And so just kind of to show this is so simple. And so meaning he would say, you know, despite... You know, nobody else solved a simple, but the secret to his success was that there would be cases and there'd be numerous characters and suspects and clues and evidence and contradictions and testimonies and on and on. Yet he could see through it all. He could see through all the distraction, through all the fog, through all the noise and just see the simplicity of, well, most of the cases, who murdered who, right? That was kind of, he just had this way of, of making it all very simple and cutting through all what seemed to be very complex and just getting to the very simple heart of the matter, and for him it was elementary. I think sometimes people can ask the question, of, of, and, and uh, culturally there's this question out there, of, of, of why am I the way that I am? Why is it that I do the things that I do? What makes me, me in so many ways? And we can, we can look at things like trials and circumstances and parents and friends and personality and preferences and culture and education, and on and on, and it can seem really complicated at times, and it can seem that no one could possibly understand sort of what, what makes me, me, ma- ma- what makes me do the things that I do. And yet scripture speaks, and this morning Christ is speaking, and we see that it's actually quite elementary. 
that in the midst of confusion, in the midst of seemingly all this noise of what seemingly makes up why we do what we do, who it is that we are, Christ speaks with simplicity and clarity and accuracy and hope as he cuts through all the distractions of what makes us us. And we see a, a very simple point that he's going to be using this morning, and it's simply this, that good fruit comes from a good root. Good fruit comes from a good root. And in this, pa- this short passage is continuing his, se- his sermon from Luke chapter 6. And this sermon is directed primarily at his followers. So this sermon was in context given to those who who were his followers, were his disciples, then and now. There's a parallel version of this that happens and that that, that takes place in in the book of Matthew. And the main call in the book of Matthew is to really look at the fruit of others as a way of evaluating others, particularly evaluating teachers and sort of what's the fruit of their teaching, what's the fruit of their lives. But there's sort of an otherness in this understanding. But here in the book of Luke... It's really a call to self-evaluate and a call to understand our own hearts. A call not just to understand the nature of the human heart, but, but of our own heart. But more than understand, hope for our heart's transformation. So this morning he's going to use a very simple picture, a very simple illustration, but it will bring clarity to our hearts today. So the title of this morning's pass, uh, message is Three Trees. So we want to look at the three trees at the heart of, what, of who we are and how we can change. So with that, I'm going to ask if you're able, if you could stand as we read from Luke chapter 6. We stand uh, at just, just to signify our reverence to God's word and the holiness of God's word as we stand for the reading of it. So with that, we're going to be Luke chapter 6, 43 through 45. For no good tree bears bad fruit. Nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit, for each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks. Well, you may be seated. Again, the main point we're going to be looking at this morning is good fruit comes from a good root. Good fruit comes from a good root. We're going to be looking at three points this morning. We're really going to be looking at three trees this morning. And the first one is this, the bad tree. The bad tree. So here Jesus is making a pretty simple, right? And it's pretty obvious, like, uh, just connection and illustration, sort of connecting, sort of, okay, the way, sort of, there's a connection between trees and how we see trees and, and our lives. And in the same way, he's saying, okay, healthy trees produce healthy fruit, Unhealthy trees produce unhealthy fruit, right? Okay, healthy figs are gathered from a fig tree or fig bush. I don't really understand which one a fig is, but it's like a kind of a bush that comes from a tree. It's a, it's a weird mix, but right, that's where figs come from, right? So obvious, apple trees make apples, not oranges, right? There's sort of this, this, this obvious thing that he's saying. My wife is a very skilled, she's just an excellent gardener, and she, she knows a ton about gardening. She knows a lot about like horticulture and this whole world. And just to say, I do not, um, but I promise the, the extent that of horticulture knowledge that we need to have coming in to really follow Jesus and what he's teaching here is really, if you can follow this, you, you can follow sort of what Jesus is saying. Apple trees produce apples. Apple trees do not produce oranges, right? So if you can sort of get that concept, you, you can kind of, you, you know enough about plants to follow what Jesus is saying here. 
And he's saying, that's like our hearts. Evil heart produces evil, speaks evil. A good heart produces good. Now here, he is specifically referencing speech and the way we talk. So certainly, it's, it's a broader concept than that that he's, that he's hitting on here. But one should, as, as we read this, one should evaluate our own speech and say, well, what? What marks my speech? Is my speech ungodly? And, and the ungodly speech can, can take several forms, right? So when, I was, when I, was not, I was 19 before I became a follower of Jesus, and in, in that time, I, I, just, I used to swear a lot, right? So I didn't know Jesus, none of my friends knew Jesus, and we spoke like we didn't know Jesus. We spoke like just sort of, you know, what we heard our sort of friends in high school saying, that's just, just this how, how we spoke, because it was from a heart that didn't know Jesus, and it, was from, it just sort of flowed from this, from this callous and sort of just, just heart, like it just flowed out of that heart. Like there was a, there was a callousness to my heart, and that's what, how I spoke about it. It was just corrosive. That's, that's, what, that's what flowed out of my mouth. But, but he, I think he has more in mind here than just sort of, okay, what are the technical words? Are, are, you, are you cursing or not? But just wh- what, what do your words reveal? Are, you, are, your words, are your words corrosive? Are your words used to, to build up? Are your words used because, because you have a heart that's building up? Or, is it, or are your words used to tear down? So we're just coming out of several sections where he's been teaching in the previous context on forgiveness and a disposition of, of love and mercy. So I think one of the questions we should ask is, is my speech marked by bitterness and complaining? Is my, is my, is my speech marked by building up or by tearing down? Does my speech primarily indicate that, that, I'm point, that I'm one who primarily points out the negative or that I express gratitude? And so it's not just the, the actual words I say and sort of like, are they banned words, but sort of the effect of my words. How, what do I use my words to do to build up or to tear down? But also, what, do, what are my words revealing b- b- below the surface? What, what, do, what do they sort of show is going on inside my heart? Do, do I speak a lot about things that I'm afraid of or things that I'm anxious about? Do, do I speak a lot about sort of just and use my words to complain a lot? Because if so, Jesus wants to see the very clear connection. That's because our hearts are anxious or afraid or complaining. Do my words sort of belittle others? That, well, that, that, that's because, my, that, because it would show that my heart is insecure or my heart, my heart is proud, right? He's showing us, like, listen, the things we say come from the root of our heart. But beyond our words, sort of, sort of, so, so there's the, the, the words we say, but, but what, what's my just disposition as, as, I, as I go through life? What's my, what's my general disposition as I, as I navigate in the world? Anger or gentleness? Harshness or patience? Pride or humility? Fear or faith? Do I primarily focus on me or do I primarily focus on others? Am I more, am I more prone to worry or gratitude? And I think here what Jesus is getting at, not just is sort of what's my public appearance, not what just what's the, the face I can put on sort of publicly, because I think everybody knows sort of like, okay, we can at times sort of mask what we're really thinking. So he's not really saying, okay, what's the mask you put on, but, but beyond our speech, what, what, what's our instincts in a sense? What's our instinctive response in situations? But one of the things I, I, I always find comical, like in political campaigns, right, like they, the campaign workers like try their best to, to like 
to, to, to make sure everything that the candidate is, is about to be said, it's, it's all scripted, it's all choreographed, right? It's all teleprompters and there's controlled environments. Like they don't want any unscripted moment happening in any life of the campaign, right? Because they don't want any moment where somebody, where the candidate is going to get caught off guard and almost say what he's thinking, right? They, 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 they want to avoid that. They, they want to say, no, like, here's sort of the talking points. Here's the controlled message. We, we want to be able to just sort of, we want to rely on those things. We don't want to rely on instincts because, you know, most leadership doesn't, you know, only involves what we can control. So it's a really good way to choose our leaders, right? Like there's just something that, but candidates love to sort of just have that, like we just want to stay on script. We want to stay on, we don't want the question we're not expecting, right? The, the, this passage, again, he, he, he's not getting to, okay, what, what can you sort of present publicly as, as what sort of your heart is conveying? But just, you got to know, what, what's your heart's immediate response when something happens? What's your heart's Base, what's your heart, heart just first instinct when something happens? Not, not what should it be, not what would we like it to be like, but what, what am I just instinctively doing when that person cuts me off in traffic or the kids just won't give you 30 seconds of silence or someone says a hurtful word or when you are passed over or passed by for something, when trials seem to oppress and surround us, when I see sin in my spouse when something I'm owed doesn't come to me, when, 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 when some expectation that I have is not met. Well, just what's, what's, my, what's my immediate response? What does my heart initially do? Jesus would say, that's coming from where your heart's actually at. What, what's your first instinct? What's your first response? That's, that's your heart coming out. More than that, and, and not only that, like who, who gets the credit in my heart and out of my mouth when I am given what I want, when I do look good in the classroom, when I do look good on the athletic field, when I receive a well done. What, again, what's that first instinct? Is it to put, take pride in myself and to puff myself up or is my first response something else? What's my response when something I fear seems to be getting more real? What's my response at first when this relationship that I that I desire seems to be getting further away, not closer, right? What, what's, your, what's your heart's response when the power goes out and you're just aware for the next 96 hours life's going to be very inconvenient? And like, where's your heart immediately go? He's saying your response just indicates our heart. So there's something very basic about this, but, but there's just we, understanding this is just so fundamental to having a biblical worldview that Jesus is, is teaching here, right? It seems kind of obvious, right? Like that the type of tree reveals the, the type of fruit, that the type of fruit we display is coming from the heart we have. So the, what we're showing on the outside, what our instincts show, it's, it reveals what kind of heart we have. But, but one of the things he's noting is that all these other things, all these other people, all these other circumstances, all these trials, what, he, what he's getting at is, hey, they, 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 they help reveal the fruit. They don't make the fruit. They don't create the fruit. All, all these trials, all these people, all these circumstances, they, they, they all help reveal what's inside, but they don't create what's inside. So, right, so, so I've got water right in, in, this, in this cup here, and if, if you were to come and slap my arm and, and water were to spill out, like wh why, why did water spill out of the cup in that instance? It would be easy for me to say, well, it's because you hit my arm. But at another level, we, what Jesus is getting at, hey, listen, if there was no water in the cup, no water would have come spilling out. The, the reason water spilled out was because water was in the cup to begin with. 
So we need to say, hey, when I get angry at the kids for, for you know, not, not giving us that 30 seconds, they're, they're the heat. They're the, they're the hit on the wrist. But they're just simply revealing what was already inside. The anger was there. This is just why it came out. So we need to be those who recognize that no trial or circumstance or person or event or pastor or parent or spouse or child or boss, no danger or pain or inconvenience, nothing in our past, is ever the reason we respond in sin, is ever the reason we respond in fear. They simply are used by God to reveal and to show us what's already inside of us. So what, what do you see instinctive in your heart? And where, where you see sort of this bad fruit, where you see this bad instinct, we need to realize that, it, that, it's, that, it, that, it's, revealing some, that it's revealing a bad root somewhere in my life. And we need to recognize what Jesus is getting at. It's not just about, hey, can I, can I put on sort of a face that's acceptable, but just know, you got to know your heart and know the root of your heart. Like, hey, what, what's, what's actually going on below the surface in, 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 in your attitudes and in your perspective and your outlook on life? What's, what's coming out of the heart? So what do your instincts reveal about you? I think most of us are are a mix, right? We probably see this mix of, of the good. We're going uh, uh, to talk about the good in a second, but we see the bad. But we need to see the bad clearly so that we, because before we can confront it, we, ne- we need to see it accurately. So good fruit comes from a good root. The second thing we see is the healthy tree, the healthy tree. So what we see is that all these things, all these things in our lives that we can be so quick and easy to blame about, past or other people or circumstances or joys or trials that that none of them are producing what is good and none of them are producing what is bad but rather it is our heart it's our inner self right so aware of this that when the bible speaks about our heart he's talking about just not our medical heart right but this 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 it's his word to say sort of our our inner self right just this this something this this, this, this being produced from inside of us again so that that's it's obvious, right? So good fruit produced by a good heart. The good person, Jesus says, out of the good treasure produces good fruit. Which means that when these things happen, when, when, a, when a trial comes and I respond in faith and good is produced, when there's a tempting situation, but I didn't give in to temptation, but I really responded in obedience and faith. When there's this provoking person in my life, but I responded with patience. When there's a, a trial that I'm walking through, but I'm responding in endurance. When, I'm, when I've been stepped on, but I respond not in sort of stepping back, but in humility. I think we also need to be deeply encouraged. That's because there's something good inside. That's because God has, has given a, a, a good root in our lives. See, only apple trees lead to apples, but it's not just that apple trees give, give apples, it's that only healthy apple trees give healthy apples. And so only from this good source can, can come good. And so where we see this good, we, we should be encouraged. I don't think Jesus was primarily given this to say, hey, all of you only have wicked hearts that nothing will ever be done about. So just be, I think he's saying that where you see this, be encouraged that when you see good fruit in your life, that, that you should take stock of that and you should give gratitude to God, but be encouraged about this. As we think of the bad fruit, we can probably each compile our own lengthy list of 
where my selfish thoughts and attitudes and just perspective and proud words and fearful inclinations are, are coming out, but when it is good, when we do display love and when we do put on good deeds, when we're patient or kind, where the words could have stung but they didn't, I, I think part of the effect of this passage is, is meant to just take stock of the good fruit that is going on in our life and not just be so quick to pass by them, but to recognize that the good fruit isn't just something I sort of created. It's not just something I, hap I happen to sort of pluck from another tree and put on mine. It's, it's coming from something, a deep work of God, that God has had a transformative effect on our lives. And so I think we want to give attention to where we see the good, right? It's so easy, I think, at least for me, it's so easy just to be so aware of all the sort of, okay, here's the bad fruit, here's the bad fruit. We're going to talk about what we do with the bad fruit and to miss, oh, but there's just, there's good fruit happening in my life. It's glory to God. There, there, there's good fruit just happening in my life. I mean, how many moms in this room just thank, just serve thanklessly, and yet they just don't complain about it. They just happily serve those around them. How many, how many people go to work every day, and they, they're serving an employer, they're serving their family, and yet they're, they're not primarily complaining. They're just primarily faithfully going and working diligently. How many people this morning use their, use their words not to sort of complain, not to tear down, not to curse in some way, but, but praise God with their mouth? Just to recognize that that's good fruit, and that is a, a deep work of the Lord when we see that. As I think of my own life, I mean, just when I said when I was, came to know Jesus when I was 19, and just the language I used to speak, I mean, I just think, I don't say those things anymore, and it's not just... I don't find myself having to cut myself off because I'm really tempted to say these things. It's just, there's just something distasteful in my, in my heart about these things. I don't like listening to these words. There's just something when I hear them, there's just, it's, a, it's just sort of, just sort of just this, this noise to my ears I don't like listening to. It's just God's transformed my heart in this way, and so we should be deeply grateful for it. And so where you see the good fruit, I, I just, we, we, we should pause, we should, we should praise God because it's indicative of his transforming work in our life. Because, again, we just don't sort of produce different fruit because we learned a different methodology of sort of, uh, of things. No, we, we grew, we have different fruit because God has been deeply at work in our lives. He's been, he's been transformational in, what, in what's taking place. Okay, so here's probably where most of us are, right? Is, is most of us are, 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 are a mix, right? We, we can evaluate ourselves. We can say, okay, there's, there's things that are good. There's things that I should be deeply grateful for. There are ways that my fruit looks different than it did six months ago, six years ago. And there's things that are bad that I'm aware of just on a daily basis, the fruit that's coming out of me is coming from a, a bad place. But, but I want to ask the question that, that's maybe not obvious to answer in the text, but, but what can we do about it? So if we see ourselves with bad fruit and we desire good fruit, what, what, what can we do? Because if it flows from the heart, and if the, and if the heart is ultimately the source of who I am and what I'm doing, an apple tree just can't look and say, hey, that orange looks pretty cool. Let me pluck that and put that on me, right? Like, we can't do that. We just can't say, oh, patience. I'd like some more of that. I'm just going to manifest that more in my life. That's not the way our hearts work. We, 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 we know the source of our behavior, this is identified the source of our behavior, but also recognize we need a change that we cannot ourselves produce. We just can't change our hearts. And so, so we find it, so if we just read the passage, if we just stop here, we can find ourselves, okay, we, I can identify my problem, but unable to be the solution. 
So I think if we sort of just, if our understanding of this passage stopped here, I think we'd either be really depressed or really anxious over the bad fruit because we'd be hopeless over what we can't do, or we'd take on a spirit of just legalism and self-superiority and we'd be arrogant because we think we've got a good heart and ironically we'd start putting on bad fruit because we mistakenly start thinking that we're responsible for our own good heart so so what's the solution see i think we need to recognize what scripture teaches that all of us are born with our default setting as our hearts are broken our hearts are the problem that we're not born neutral, we're born with broken and dysfunctional hearts. It says in Jeremiah 17, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind and give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. So scripture would say, and I think our own lives that if we have any self-understanding at all would, 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 would agree with yeah I'm born with a sick heart but I can't just change it and since change comes from the inside out since my inner disposition is what leads to outward fruit I not only can't change my heart I really can't just put on different fruit so Jesus you've, you've explained the problem but what's the solution so if my good, it sort of, as good as I can try to make my heart isn't going to be good enough, and, and even my good works might be sort of mixed with this des accompanying desire to be praised and just sort of give credit to myself, what, what's the solution? Where, where does this leave us? I think it leaves us with the third tree that we need to look at. The third tree is Christ's tree. Christ's tree. So in this section of his sermon, Christ is speaking clearly, helping us see why it is we do what we do and why it is why it is we are who we are but we need to do more than identify our problem we, we want to do more than just remember that there's th these two trees we need to remember the one who is speaking is himself the one who would bring the most important tree in our lives and the most definitive tree in our lives see jesus is letting us know why we are the way we are so that we see the problem clearly that we have that we aren't good people who occasionally say and do bad things we aren't neutral people who if we do good things can turn good we are by people those who are fallen we are by we are people by those who are by nature those who are fallen we are broken from birth we are rotten to the core and that is why we speak the way we do and live the way we do that is why we run after false solutions the way we do it's what we are by our nature but Christ came and suffered on the cross of Calvary he hung on his own tree to be the solution for us so that we can see that my solution isn't trying to pick and point and put on enough new fruit we, we can see no the solution is I need a new heart I need a new root and that's what Jesus provides on the cross on which he hung. Because when we turn to Jesus Christ, streams of living water, streams of transformative living water flow out of Christ into our dead hearts, making us alive, making us anew, giving us a new heart, and transforming us to actually make new and good fruit. 
So now we can be those he speaks of in this second tree, those who, who have a genuine heart that is transformed and actually producing good. And so what happens when we are converted, what happens when we place our faith in Jesus Christ, we are forgiven of all the bad fruit we've ever been, that we've ever put on, all the bad fruit that's ever flowed out of our bad hearts, and we are, give, we are given a new living heart. Well, that happens at the moment we become a Christian. We also recognize if you've been walking with him with any length of time, but this old nature still likes to hang on, still likes to, it's, it's still, the, the old man is still influencing this new heart. And so we need an experience, not just at conversion, we need an experience daily to, to have our hearts transformed by Christ's tree. So what I mean by this is this, daily we need to recognize that when we're impatient with my children, when we're impatient with a child, we need to recognize, hey, the solution isn't me cooling down. The solution isn't them changing. I need, to do, I need to call this what it is. This is my sin. This is my impatience. This is my pride. This is my anger. This is my selfishness. This is my sin. And that's what I need to repent of. I need to, need to repent of that sin and go to the source of change, Jesus Christ. And I need to remind myself, no, God who has been patient with me, a sinner, and he pours out his living water into me again and again and again, and, and he, he pours out until it, it's able to flow out of me because it leads to this transformation, and it actually leads to me being patient because I'm so aware of the source of change that I keep going to the source of change, that, that I keep going and going and going until I'm actually producing patience in my life. And I'm not blaming the kids for my impatience, but I'm saying, no, my heart's the problem, and I have a solution, and it's Jesus Christ and what he's done. When I'm anxious about something, listen, I think nothing, course let's pray for circumstances but we ultimately need to know the solution to my anxiety is is not a different circumstance i need the peace that the god of all peace brings to his people i need the peace that the god brings the god who reconciles those who were at war with him has now reconciled them to himself and he is complete control over all creation he is in complete control over all things i need the peace that only he can bring and so i need to look primarily not at my circumstances and hope they change and work my hardest to try to fix them i need to repent and find my life in the living water that jesus christ is pouring out onto his people and through his people again and again and again until i find my heart is not anxious but it's at peace with the god who is in control of all things when I'm, when I'm acting just in, in anger because, because I haven't been accepted or because I, I feel like I've been disrespected in some way, I feel like sort of I've been belittled in some way or I just, well, I really want sort of the acceptance of this person. I can recognize that, no, what I need more than their acceptance, what I, what I should crave more than their acceptance is acceptance from God and that is what I have because of the cross of Calvary, that Jesus Christ who knows all my sins all my weaknesses. He knows all the bad fruit I would ever do, and he didn't, he, he accepted me because he died for it, and so he, he knew all these things, and he accepted me anyway because of his perfection, and so I'm accepted by him, and so because I have the greatest of all acceptances, I, I can, it, it's okay to sort of pray for these things, but just recognize that I have the greatest of all acceptance. I don't need to strive after sort of this thing and sort of just work and work and work for this other acceptance because I've been accepted from a holy and pure God, and so we just need to recognize when we see this fruit sort of this bad fruit that is coming out of our lives where we see ourselves just sort of like, okay, here, here's something that's bad. Here's something that's bad. I need to stop sort of saying, okay, whose fault is it? We need to say, no, the, the problem's internal. And we need to daily go to the source. 
So when we see bad fruit in our lives, we, don't, we aren't those who, who run to despair and run to hopelessness, and we, don't, that we, and we also aren't those who are going to run and, put, have, and run to our own ability to put different fruit on and just change ourselves. We've got one place to run. We've got one place to turn, and that's to Jesus Christ and find that the cross of Christ, the tree on which he hung, provides forgiveness and provides hope for every fruit still needing to be changed in our lives. And we can have confidence that Jesus Christ, we have confidence in what he began in, in doing this work, that, 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 that though we by nature are not those who are good, but he, he, he is what transforms our, our, our dead and our evil and our callous hearts. He, what began, which was what was not good, because of what Jesus Christ and because of the life he offers, he, he then, he begins to bring good, and we begin to see that in our lives now, and the eternal destination for all God's people is that he is completely transforming them from what once was evil and bad and far away from him into, into these trees that produce good and, and bear good fruit, not just for a little while, but for all eternity. Jeremiah 17, connected to the verse we just read earlier, says, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, who trusts is in the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the streams and does not fear when the heat comes for its leaves remain green and it is not anxious in the year of the drought for it does not cease to bear fruit. Or Psalm 1 where it says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of wicked nor stands in the way of sinners nor sits in the seat of scoffers but his delight is in the law of the Lord and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season, and its leaf does not wither, and all that he does he prospers. Or Psalm 92 where it says, The righteous flourish like a palm tree, and grow like a cedar in Lebanon. They are planted in the house of the Lord, and they flourish in the courts of our God. They still bear fruit in old age. They are ever full, they are ever full of sap and green to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in him. Good fruit comes from a good root. Praise God, that is what he gives his people, both today and for all eternity. So let's daily turn to our only source of change. Let's pray. Father, thank you for really just the clarity in which your word, that your word brings. That, Lord, that there's so many explanations for, for who it is we are and why it is we do what we do. But Lord, in the midst of all the, of all the noise that is out there, Lord, you, you speak with just stunning, simple clarity that it's out of our hearts that we do what we do. And Lord, while in some ways that's bad because there's no one else to blame but us, Lord, we recognize that it's also good news because you've provided a solution for our hearts. That, Lord, you have provided a, a solution for sinful people with sinful hearts who do sinful things. You have provided the perfect Christ who hung on his tree so that we can be transformed. So, Lord, I pray that each of us would daily, where we see this fruit in our lives, where we see what's this bad fruit in our lives, that we would daily not run to despair, not run to what we can do, but we would just daily run to Jesus Christ and find that he transforms again and again and again, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.